dig it? Yeah! Woo! And yes, I'm now! What the rock is cooking! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass! Never knowing what they're
welcome to R.I. Free Radio Wrestling Talk here on RIFreeRadio.org. That was Batista's theme song, and later on, we'll be talking about the year which he debuted in WWE, the year 2002. Although, when he first came out in WWE, he was much different than the Batista we all know, um, but we'll get to that a little later. First off, I am Mike Dickerson. Across from the table, we've got the, let's see, pow- AWL, Powerbomb, Ringside, Hall of Famer, number one world champion of all time in USWF. And you know what? I'm going to give it to you. The first ever, I'm presenting it to you, R.I. Free Radio Wrestling Talk, <laughs> world mega ultra super champion of the universe, wow. Blackjack Charlie. I love this guy already. <laughs> but what, I'm what a does, champion. What does he want? I don't know. He doesn't want to get uh, hit in the head of a steel chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I've also got with me George Garner. Good evening. And at the soundboard, Tony Jones. Yes, sir. All right, so we will get to that main topic a little later on, but let's open up with some more recent stuff. Uh, First off, the Royal Rumble was a few weeks ago, and I got to say it was, especially the Royal Rumble match itself, the men's Royal Rumble main event, it was definitely one of the better Royal Rumbles of all time. I would say maybe number two behind the uh, Ric Flair Royal Rumble in 92 in terms of how it was booked. I loved the storyline with Drew McIntyre being the one to eliminate Brock. And Brock, he did really good uh, in the early part, although he kind of needed those rests in between, like each thing. He was getting pretty blown up uh, pretty badly. What do you expect? The guy only wrestles like once every other month, (laughs) and he wrestles like 10-minute matches. Yeah, pretty much. Um, He was was bringing back memories of the John Cena match from a few years back. He was starting to kind of sweat the wrong color a little. It's a little scary. But uh, once Drew got in there, I thought it was really great. The elimination and the surprise kick in the nuts from Ricochet calling back to Raw the week before, leading to the Claymore elimination was really good. And, of course, the really big news, the return of Edge in the Royal Rumble, which I was not expecting. It was Not really only did he return, but he was the last four remaining in the Rumble. Yeah, both himself and his wife, Beth Phoenix, in the Women's Rumble uh, were number three, the third to last uh, person in the match, which did, I know you noticed Beth, her hair yeah. was uh, turning yeah, a little bit red. Yeah, open. Yeah. That Women's Rumble was pretty good, too. I liked the men's one a lot better, though, I got to admit. Uh, I also really liked uh, The Fiend and Daniel Bryan. I thought that was a really great, great match, uh, the strap match. And also, I got to say, uh, just from a male perspective, uh, I liked the match with uh, Becky and Asuka. It was a good match, but Asuka in black looks um, pretty hot. Yeah. So, yeah. Of course, uh, the next night on Raw, we had the main event segment with Edge coming back. Uh, he had a very emotional... I know uh, Blackjack hasn't seen it yet, so I'm sorry to spoil something. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, he had a very emotional uh, speech. Uh, he called out Randy Orton, who came out. And they teased like they were going to reform Rated RKO. When Orton attacked him, uh, left him laying, he uh, had a edge. He had the chair around Edge's neck and was acting like as if he was going to jump off the ropes and squish his neck. Uh, he had second thoughts about that, then went outside, got another chair, and instead put one under Edge's head and did the one-man concerto, <laughs> So, which looked really good. Obviously, they're not really hitting him on the head. They have bands for that, but 
the way that he did it actually looked pretty brutal. It looked like he legitimately killed him with that. Uh, they were going to explain it on last week's where They were going to have Orton come out and explain his actions. And pretty brilliantly, they actually had him come out, a tease that he was going to say something. But he didn't say anything. He just left to draw it out even further. And it's looking like that's going to be one of the big matches at WrestleMania, which I think will be a really good match. Edge looked amazing in the Royal Rumble. I think he can still go, definitely. Especially for someone who's been out for, what, nine years? Well, the, he, well, my question is, before he becomes a big eventer in the WrestleMania, now, he was out injured legitimately. Yes. Big, big time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, now, spinal stenosis, I believe. It's, yeah. yeah. Now, they fixed that. It healed. Uh, was he mercifully uh, healed by a preacher? What? Uh, he had a, a different surgery. He had surgery nine years ago. Which was supposed to be the end of his career, but right. after a while of being away, he was feeling better, and he had a different surgery, which I guess didn't heal it, but it corrected it enough that they trust him to go out there and perform. Uh, well, that's my question. Yeah, I mean, who's trusting him to perform? Is it the uh, cash? You know, yeah, is it the cash component of the, the WWE? Um, the part of WWE that's hoping for bigger ratings, most likely. That yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, and and it's it's same thing with Kurt Angle. You know, he legitimately suffered close to a broken neck, and yeah. a few years later, magically, he's out there wrestling again. And he, yeah, well, I. Good. I'm sorry. sorry. And Angle legitimately did have the broken neck as well in the the Olympics, even before uh, he came into WWE. Well, I noticed though that with Kurt Angle, at least they had the common sense to. Uh, they didn't. You know, they discouraged him from any high-flying moves. They made him more of a mat wrestler. They put him in more angles where Kurt Angle, in more angles if I could use that. Yeah, yeah you can. Yeah. Where he wouldn't be put into danger. Yeah, now, I, I don't now I don't see where, I don't see how you are going to keep Edge out of danger. Uh, I don't see him doing any TLC matches or anything too dangerous like that. Um, no, no. I would say just, he'll probably have his regular style, but he's not... Going to be like flying off the top rope and stuff like that, I don't think, or anything. Actually, the safest thing probably for him would be to make the WrestleMania match a hardcore match. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, what's the word, paradoxical, but that would be the best thing for him. I get where you're coming from because it would be more like, it would be garbage wrestling, but no more like big bumps. Right, and Randy could take the bumps. Yeah. More of the bumps for him. Uh, that was definitely the... Uh, the angle they did on Raw was definitely one of the more um, brutal angles, so it could lead to a brutal match like that. I would think. Yeah, that's what I'm. St yeah, that's, it's from what you just with the ch yeah with the uh, chairs. Yeah, that's what gave me the, the idea. It's like that would be a good way to manage the risk. Yeah, I could see them doing that. Uh, they haven't hinted towards it yet, but it could certainly be something that could happen. Uh, as for the WrestleMania card, some of the other matches taking shape. It looks like it's most likely going to be Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns once again for the Universal title. But before that, and I'm curious about Blackjack's thoughts on this, Wyatt will be facing Goldberg <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? I'm, I'm, I feel almost bad that you only asked Blackjack's opinion because I have a damn opinion about Goldberg too. Go ahead, and please. It's an echo of right over there. Yeah. Why? I if I never saw this guy again in my life, I mean, this, Goldberg is. They say, what, what's the word? One trick pony. Yeah, I believe. Um, 
He's not even good at that one-trick pony. No, he couldn't I mean, pull it off on people, the taker. People used to criticize. Yeah, speaking of the Undertaker, right? People used to criticize Bruno Sammartino, the Undertaker, Stone Cold for limited um, repertoire. Re- yeah. Thank you. Exact word I was looking for. Limited repertoire. Now you bring. Okay, Blackjack. Do you want to jump in here and rant? Uh, help me with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, got a guy how that. Many, yeah. How many moves does? Goldberg having his repertoire. Uh, Two? Three? Three? You're going to give him three? If you give him the boot, that's like four if he does that every now and then. He does like a power slam sometimes. Sometimes. Listen, if they job out Bray Wyatt to Goldberg, that's going to suck. Yeah. They, They better not. They just built up this really cool character, and if they have Goldberg come in and squish him, that that's going to be horrible. I don't see Goldberg um, winning. And they, they blame Goldberg's botches last time on the heat. Well, I'm not exactly a climate scientist, but I <laughs> bet you that it's still hot in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, I believe you also had a concussion in that match last time. <laughs> let's just let's just state the facts. The dude sucked. <laughs> there was yeah. no way around that. It was that. brutal. That was like, not a good brutal. That was the worst Taker match I've ever seen. Yeah. And I remember watching Taker and Kane versus uh, Crush and uh, oh, Brian, Adams. <laughs> Brian Adams, and they weren't selling each other's moves. Or Brian Adams and Brian Clark, I should say. You remember that? Yeah. They weren't selling anybody's moves. Yeah. That, I thought, was the worst Taker match. Chronic. This just took it. <laughs> yeah, even more so. Are we leaving out uh, Undertaker and uh, Giant Gonzalez? Oh. That's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, I mean that's that's up there on the when you want the all time worst matches. That's got to be. Right, that's yeah. bumped down to number three in my book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still say that's probably his worst match. Chai Gonzalez at Even WrestleMania. Even worse than Goldberg. Yeah, that was pretty bad. It I was mean, lo- it was longer. That's why it was worse. It was longer, <laughs> and it actually had a worse finish with uh, the Undertaker being chloroformed out. But so with, uh, he with won the, by DQ with the Goldberg match. I was legitimately concerned that two, these two guys were going to actually hurt each other in real life. I mean, that's yeah. how that's how bad it was. Well, you noticed in that match that Taker was actually getting pissed yeah. off. So he was stiff shot in Goldberg. Oh, yeah, and he confronted him in the back, too, afterwards about it. Yeah. All right, so speaking of Taker, uh, something that might happen, Sting's actually been saying recently that he would consider coming back one more time for a match with Taker and with all these Saudi Arabia shows, I don't know, just something to hope for. That's just, I wanted to bring that up for a second. Uh, hope for that or yes. dread it? No, Sting would do a lot better than um, Goldberg. Although uh, the two of them actually did face off in WCW when Taker was me, Mark Callis, although that doesn't count. No. <laughs> yeah, Sting crushed yeah. him then. Sting also actually um, defeated Kane in WCW. Um, before Kane was Kane, obviously. He was just a jobber. So Sting's actually faced and beat both of them, both the Brothers of Destructions in WCW. I could see that match going very well. I, yeah. I think Sting still has it in him to do it. Okay. Yeah. Did I see recently that Kane's coming to town? He is. Is he really? Yes, uh, he's going to be at uh, oh, Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> yeah, I should know that. I posted it. <laughs> Sorry, I think I actually did get hit in the chair in the head with the chair a little earlier. My brain's a little. Although, what else is new? Anyways, uh, moving on to a few shows before we get to the next music. Uh, some shows coming up uh, announced just uh, yesterday, I believe it was. New Japan is actually returning to Madison Square Garden on August 22nd. 
last year they had ran a, a joint show with ROH at MSG, which was kind of a big thing because for a long time, WWE was always claiming, oh, we're the only company to run MSG. So it's pretty nice that they're allowing other companies to run there as well, which is fitting because WWE basically barely ever does TV there anymore. They definitely don't do their pay-per-views there anymore, which is sad that um, when you have a big anniversary for a WrestleMania, it'll probably never go back to Madison Square Garden. Although the cool thing is, I was actually there at WrestleMania 20, which was pr- will probably be the last WrestleMania to be at Madison Square Garden, unless um, they fall on hard times again and have to start <laughs> running smaller yeah. arenas. Well, what's the po- what's the problem with Madison Square Garden? Is it like the union? It's well, small is a relative thing. I mean, with the TV deal, I believe it was something to do with they get charged more to run TV events at that arena, probably due to the setup, than they would at other arenas, other new arenas. Setup and probably and strong union and yeah. everything else. Expe- in other words, high expenses. Is, yeah, I would because I wouldn't say it was the size. I mean, it's big enough and it has enough. Oh yeah. Um, what would we say? Um, Space. Not well. No, in terms of like rep, not reputation. That isn't the right Tony. I'm, I need another word here. Uh, I'm still stuck on repertoire. So if it's not that, <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's it's enough um, prestige. His, uh, prestige. That. Thank you. You're welcome. You're next to throw me a word, just so you know, uh, Blackjack. Cat. <laughs> I'll okay. Cat. I'll, I'll work it in. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it has enough prestige to you know you would want it to be. Yeah. But yeah. I personally love every time, anytime uh, they do a show at MSG. It just looks so awesome. It's lo- the feel of the arena is so nice. And even for a WrestleMania, obviously they have a smaller ramp and stuff like that. But I think they always make it look pretty cool, especially at WrestleMania 20. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see New Japan uh, coming there, running more stuff in America. They would usually be doing their G1 Climax tournament in August, although with the Tokyo Olympics coming up. They're pushing it back to September, ending in October. Uh, And so far, there's been no U.S. states announced for the G1 tournament, although last year they did kick it off in Dallas, Texas. So fingers crossed that maybe they'll come back to America for at least one show for that tournament, which would be pretty cool. Uh, Another thing coming up really soon in this state, in Providence, WWE Raw, the week after WrestleMania, they will be in Providence at the Dunkin' Donuts Center on April 13th. And two days later, April 15th, AEW will be in Boston, so very close by as well. See, we got to choose, though, because I can't take both days out of work. So we got to choose between Raw and AEW. As much as I love AEW, I would say probably Raw just because I have Mondays off and I work Wednesdays, unfortunately. And also driving to Boston sucks. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Plus, I would have to be... I would have to either take two days off or I'd have to come back late and be up early Thursday for work. So, Worth it. Yeah, it would be, but yeah. All right, let's get down to a little bit of music here. And uh, since this is going to be a show talking about the year 2002, let's play a song that came out that year. And it was also a song that WWE used in some of their uh, promo packages, their uh, WWF Desire packages. This is Gavin Rosdale with Adrenaline on rifreeradio.org. Said this stuff makes any sense. We hooked again. 
back and that was Gavin Rosdale with Adrenaline on RIFreeRadio.org and in a moment we are going to start talking about all things pro wrestling in the year 2002 but first uh, something that I forgot to bring up before we went to the music 
Uh, I know Blackjack wanted to touch upon The Rock's eulogy at his father's funeral. Yeah, that was uh, something that was very inspiring to sit there. And I don't know if you have listened I to it yet. I have not yet. Um, it it definitely is. Uh, and it's, it's one thing that his father passed away. I'm very... Uh, I have sensitive feelings for The Rock for doing what he did. Um, but it's almost... Uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, time periodly, cur- like it, the way it ma- matched with Martin Luther King's day. Because uh, if you didn't know, he was a trailblazer for the African-American wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, the first African-American tag team was with him and uh, Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas. And he was mixing amongst wrestling with white gentlemen, which was a no-no. So he was definitely, and it was really cool to hear The Rock uh, talk about his dad and everything and talk about the trailblazers of the wrestling industry. And one of them I got to put in there that this will put that to rest, that The the Rock never thought anything of Hogan's N-word drop. He called him a trailblazer. Yeah, well, he was. Yep. So I, and there was in the Hogan setting in, uh, in the audience, so. Yeah. I will definitely have to check that out tonight. That definitely sounds very, uh, very nice. Very fitting and very beautiful, actually. All right, so with that, let's move on to the main topic. Uh, And this is in the Random Year in Review series, which I have a bag at home with a little piece of paper of every year from 1980 on, which I added 2019 into now since that year is over. So next time that'll be eligible. And uh, 2002 is the one that came out of uh, the Dollar Tree uh, shopping bag of randomness yeah. this time. <laughs> so let's get started talking about uh, the early part of the year in WWE, the road to WrestleMania that year. Now, the previous year, Triple H had been out with a quad injury, and he made his big return slightly before the Royal Rumble. He actually faced Kane, the Raw, the week before in his return match. But the Royal Rumble was basically billed as his big return, in which he won uh, to secure his spot in the main event of WrestleMania 18, coming up a couple months after that. Uh, That show also featured Chris Jericho defeating The Rock, retaining the undisputed title. The next month at No Mercy, it was a really big thing, because it was the return of the NWO to WWE, the returns of Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon. Uh, Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel, and the big one, someone you just mentioned a moment ago, Hulk Hogan, for the first time in many years in a WWF ring. And they actually opened up that show with a promo from the NWO. Very odd to open a pay-per-view with an in-ring promo. But that was definitely a historic moment, and it was Vince McMahon bringing them back to kill his creation. He was going to inject the poison into the WWF, himself and the N-W-O, <laughs> which uh, if you remember, that was a, a crazy promo where Vince um, was sitting in a chair, um, like a computer chair or what have you, office chair, and he turned around so that you could see in the mirror written on the back of the chair was the N-W-O logo. You, you have to give Vince credit for that one. That was one of the times where he legitimately appeared to be unhinged. And yeah. now, years later, we all know he may have legitimately been unhinged, but at the oh. time, people didn't. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> well, the reason you don't think he was quite unhinged yet at that time was 
No, I remember. I remember that very well. Now, I didn't. Re I didn't remember that it was two thousand two, but I remember that whole that whole work very well. I remember being a little disappointed by it because it didn't follow through like I thought it would with the destruction and carnage that you know the NWO should have promised. Yeah, I think the big problem with that is they were basically forced to turn Hogan face, which threw all kinds of crap into the plans. Plus. With Kevin Nash constantly getting injured as well. <laughs> yeah, and no. Scott Hall was getting teased and taunted with alcohol, so he fell off the flipping train yeah. for the 50th time. Yeah, that's the second time they did that, too. They did the same thing with Jake Roberts. They taunted him with the alcohol yeah. while he was a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, real right. nice. <laughs> yeah, They've done yeah. that with quite a few guys over the years, right? Yeah. Those two um, would be the big ones that would... Um, pop out in my head but yeah. I'm oh, sure there's others well I'm my thinking at the time was that Vince just had second thoughts about laying waste to the you know okay, you know it was okay to say that he was going to destroy his creation and everything but I think the impression I had back then was that he just had second thoughts yeah most likely that was probably a big part of it um so leading into uh after that I should say was of course Wrestlemania 18 which featured uh, the main event of Triple H beating Chris Jericho, uh, which, yeah, Jericho was in the main event of WrestleMania. He was the undisputed champion. He had beaten The Rock and Steve Austin in the same night to win that title. <sighs> but remember, in the lead-up to it, he actually got Stephanie as his valet, <laughs> and he had to basically be her bitch for a little while, including cleaning up her dog's crap and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, to be the undisputed champion, though, don't I remember that he be, was? Yeah, I could be remembering wrong. Was that's what happened to become the undisputed, the one, the first undisputed champion? Yeah. Chris Jericho beat. I thought he beat Triple H. At some no, he point. beat no, no. The Rock and he beat Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Okay, the, those he beat the two of them in the same night. Yeah. Same night. Undisputed. Fair and square. Yeah. Fair and one square. One of yeah, he was already the WCW champion, and he successfully defended against The Rock, and Austin had successfully defended the WWF title against okay. Kurt Angle. So it was like a mini one-night tournament to unify the belts. Okay. Now, my last comment on that, other than saying that I felt at the time that Chris Jericho didn't have the stature to be the first, now he would. Yeah. But at that time, I didn't think he was ready to carry that burden of I don't the know. first. I thought he was. I thought it was he was the least likely of the four to win, and I liked that they went with that. Uh -huh the kind of guy who was not so expected. Uh, I think he, if he was booked better, it would have looked better, obviously. But with Triple H coming back, and with Triple H, you know, being you know married to the boss's daughter and everything, <laughs> okay, he um, was going to be the bigger star in that feud. Right. Okay, and last point, as far as this undisputed championship business goes, as m a much bigger Ric Flair fan than I am, or ever was a Chris Jericho fan, now, it, wa it wasn't a work or an angle, whatever you want to call it, but by virtue of the fact that Ric Flair came here carrying the NWA belt, which he never lost in the NWA, right? Yeah, he did not. He came here, he didn't lose it. So that means when he came here, whether or not the WWF at the time wanted to recognize him, <laughs> he was the NWA yeah. champion, right? You could say that. They just pretended it didn't exist. Right. They made believe it didn't exist as part of the work in the WWF, but it existed. Well, the thing with that is I think by the time Flair won the WWF title, they had already had a new NWA champion. I know 
they had a match, a cage match with Barry Windham and Lex Luger to determine the new champion. Understood, but Flair never lost it. It's true. So in other words, all they did in the NWA, and by extension, all the rest of that big umbrella organization, NWA, they vacated it, right? That's yeah. not the... Flair didn't lose it. So when Flair came here and when he won the WWF championship, in my opinion... He was the first undisputed champion. You can say that. There's been a few times, though, where the person didn't actually lose it. Even when Flair won the WWF title in the 92 Royal Rumble, you could say that Hogan never lost the title. He was stripped of the title due to the controversy of throwing ashes in The Undertaker's eyes (laughs) to win the title back. Yeah. I mean, he never technically lost, too, you could say. No, that... Point taken. But if you just want to be, te- again, you can be technically the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, and by the way, I never thought, of, if you want to complain about the legitimacy of Flair being the champion, I don't see how you win an effing championship in a Royal Rumble. Yeah. I really, you know what I'm saying, that was, I guess what was, since we're on the subject, I won't belabor too long because we got other things to talk about, I know, but was that whole thing from the Tuesday in Texas all the way to the Royal Rumble, was that just so that Hulk Hogan didn't have to drop a belt to Ric Flair? I would think there was probably a good chunk of it that would be that not wanting Hogan to lose the Flair. They would, I'm sure, originally were planning to have Hogan Flair at WrestleMania to right. save it, which you would think you know, Flair as the heel going in defending the title would make sense. Obviously, plans changed, but... I mean, Hogan, he was not against losing necessarily since he had just lost to The Undertaker a little bit before that. But, yeah, I could see them not wanting to put Ric Flair directly over Hogan but still have Ric Flair with a belt. I could definitely see that being part of it. I think that was a miscalculation because if they had, I mean, that would have made WrestleMania through the roof. Yeah. See, the thing about that is they were running Ric Flair versus Hogan on the house shows, and they were not doing very well. Actually... The B shows were doing better at the time, so they kind of uh, they got a little bit alarmed at that, and they switched plans. And of course, you know Vince in the big guys, and yeah. so, you know Sid Vicious, he's a very big guy. Right. So that, they, that's that's a good point. That might have had more to do with it. Yeah. Because I mean, running because the fact that Hogan and Flair weren't doing well at the house shows, that's because they were mispromoting it. Yeah. I mean, you don't build up. A WrestleMania championship between two champions. You, you don't. That's not how to do it, right? Yeah. I got to say, I'm actually glad that they changed plans up because it meant we got Ric Flair against Randy Savage uh, at WrestleMania 8, which was that an incredible was match. That was good. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, just uh, before we get back on the regular topic, just one more thing. Like, that was the second year in a row that Savage had the best match in the mid spot and like the halfway point of the show too because that was the year where the title match went on midway and Hogan and Sid were the main event but the year before too at about the midway point of the card himself Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior yeah Ultimate Warrior that's right so it was two years in a row where he really stole the show at Wrestlemania and pretty soon after that he was just on commentary Vince was saying nope you're too old which so that was another Hulk Hogan screw job right uh I may have had a little bit to do with Hogan, but a lot of it was Vince thinking, uh, you're just too old to do this. Huh. Yeah. 
Uh, As he was still pushing Hogan, though, so, you know. Exactly. See, yes. there's always Hogan crawling around in the background. <laughs> yeah. So let's get uh, let's get back to uh, WrestleMania 18 in 2002 before we go. Uh, I, sorry, say something. Who just pooped? <laughs> I think it was the chair. I think <laughs> it was the chair. chair. We yeah. got a lot of squeaky chairs around here. Yeah, the chair. All right, before we go to the next song, let's I made go. my own chair stew. <laughs> oh. Let's uh, touch a little bit more on um, WrestleMania 18 before we go to the next song. Because um, I did want to mention that was the show where it was basically Vince's hand was forced to turn Hulk Hogan face again when he faced off against The Rock. And the just amazing reaction Hogan received, even bigger than The Rock himself, who was one of the who's probably number two behind Steve Austin as the top babyface at the time in the world. That might have been my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. Yeah, that might have been. That was, and again, the fans had a big hand in it, as you touched on. Yeah, that, Rock and Hogan was great. Uh, those two actually, uh, if you listen to the Rock story, uh, were training together down in Florida for that match. When that down at Hogan's personal uh, house with his ring and everything, <laughs> so he was able to get a. I was, <laughs> I was upset that The Rock won, but in the same sense, I saw why he it won. Was a, it was appropriate. Yes, yeah. it was yeah. kind of like passing the torch yeah. type right. deal. Definitely was, and it's one of those matches where, from a technical standpoint, sure there were a lot of better matches, but from an emotional standpoint, like that's, I wouldn't say it's my absolute favorite WrestleMania match, but. It's definitely up there. The crowd especially just really made it. And you basically, like I said, it basically forced Vince's hand to say, hey, Hogan, he's not going to work as a heel. Right. And yeah. back to Goldberg versus Bray Wyatt, like we were talking about at the top of the hour, you would hope that that passing the torch is still going on today, but uh, few yeah. and far between. I really, really, I really have my fingers crossed that Goldberg will lose. I don't think we're going to see another uh, Dolph Ziggler squash thing or Better like at SummerSlam, but <laughs> I really, really hope so. Uh, one thing about Rock uh, and Hogan uh, teaming up and kind of being friends after the WrestleMania, which included um, them teaming with Kane as well with the, with the uh, classic Canaanites promo. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird, but awesome. If you get a chance to look that up on YouTube, I know it's there. Ro- Rock, Hulk Hogan, Kane promo. I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah, one final thought on the Hogan-Rock WrestleMania match. Now, I've always suspected that um, I was a mark in that during that match. So my question to you as a person I regard as a knowledgeable expert in wrestling, did that match actually turn during the match? Did, yeah. they, did they actually rework that match as they went, or am I a mark and they nail me? <laughs> They played with the crowd. The Hogan wasn't supposed to turn heel or turn face officially. They did send the other members of the NWO out to attack them to officially solidify it. But The Rock was always supposed to win. And basically, they just played the two men, The Rock and Hogan, two of the best ever, basically played off of the crowd. And kind of, they. I'm sure they shifted a few things, little things in the match, but... With the way that it went, with The Rock winning eventually, that was the plan. That was, right, right. I understand that. But I, I'm thinking more along the lines in the middle of the match when they responded, you know, when they seemed to respond yeah. spontaneously to the crowd. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that was spontaneous. Oh, thank you. That was two, <laughs> that was two of the top pros who know how to handle a crowd. Right. Yeah, playing off the crowd. Yeah. But uh, one thing, what I did want to mention, though, was it's kind of uh, weird 
if you actually take uh, kayfabe into account with everything, to see those two buddy-buddy so quickly after. Remember, in the build to that match, Hogan drove a semi-truck into an ambulance that The Rock was in. So yeah. it's like a month later, he attempted to murder you. Now you guys are best friends. Yeah, I think maybe they realized how silly that was. Oh, yeah. And that's, okay, let's maybe believe that never happened. Uh, you know, as, thing. as silly as it was and as much as they didn't bring it up afterwards, I remember that shot of the semi crashing into the ambulance being in the SmackDown opening credits for a long time afterwards. <laughs> hey, listen, it, it happens in wrestling. I tried to murder my brother yeah. with um, a, a snow shovel and steel chairs, and we're still he's still yeah. my brother Worst now, Christmas so. ever. Yeah. <laughs> they ha uh, I know on at least two occasions, um, Kane set a casket with The Undertaker inside of it on fire, and now you know, they're buddies. They're best brothers, too, so it happens. All right, let's... Um, Let's get to a little music, and when we come back from this, we'll talk about some of the debuts from the year 2002. And when I do these uh, random year interview things, I like to play some music from the year in question, but oh, not man. exclusively. This is my theme song. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, this one I actually wanted to play. It's obviously not from 2002, but 2002 was actually the year that I grew up. It was the year I officially became an adult, <laughs> and I'm here it is all these years later, and I still don't want to grow up, so... <laughs> Let's play this one. This is the Ramones with I Don't Want to Grow Up on rifreeradio.org. Oh, no. Hurt the things to the bone I don't want to blow it 
right, we are back, and that was the Ramones' I Don't Want to Grow Up on rifreeradio.org. Not only is that my theme song, it's probably the theme song for about 75% of the people in this room, huh? It's, that just occurred to me. Yep, definitely mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, a little off-topic note, too, something that kept uh, that song fresh in my head. It was actually in one of the better movies from last year, Shazam, as well, which um, kind of was the thing where I originally thought, oh, yeah, that song, oh, that would actually fit. Which reminds me, my old lady finally sprung for Disney Plus. So if you don't see me for the next few weeks, it's because I'm stuck behind a TV screen. (laughs) It's a good excuse, at least. (laughs) All right, let's get back on the uh, topic here. Let's go with some of the WWE debuts of 2002. And there were quite a lot of big ones. Uh, The first one we'll mention, uh, the man that we played the theme song of at the beginning of the show, Batista. Although he was not the regular Batista at the time. He was actually Deacon Batista. Uh, Reverend Devon's, aka Devon Dudley's, uh, guy that basically had a, the donation box chained around his neck, <laughs> which um, thankfully he broke free from that gimmick um, pretty quickly. A lot of, a lot of times those gimmicks like that are kind of death for a career. So it shows that he does have some charisma, some skill, or a lot of charisma. And some good skill in the ring, especially for a bigger guy. I had forgotten that completely. Yeah, Thanks that was to rough. you, now I'm going to remember it again. The PTSD from that one. Do you remember who was training him in OVW? Um, let's see, Les Thatcher? Well, he was the main guy, but... Well, um, one, of, no. one of the guys that was actually working with him in OVW was a WWF or WWE wrestler at the time. And he was one of the guys that was uh, speaking very kindly of him before he came in. Uh, which one would that be? Kane. Oh, all right. That was yeah. his first big feud in OVW, mm. and he defeated Kane in OVW, and they brought him up. That's actually the- that's actually something I didn't remember. So there you go. Thank you. Um, another guy uh, who debuted that year, uh, Brock Lesnar, who debuted the night after WrestleMania with Paul Heyman on his side. Uh, he originally destroyed, uh, I believe it was Al Snow, Spike Dudley, and Maven, who also, by the way, I forgot to mention, Maven eliminated The Undertaker from that year's Royal Rumble and probably the biggest shock elimination, Yeah, which was pretty awesome. It had um, it led to The Undertaker kicking Maven's ass all around the arena, which um, was definitely one of the classic Royal Rumble moments from that time. What do you think of, what did you think of Maven? In your opinion, I mean, he granted like a lot. You know, he was tainted in a way through reality TV. Yeah. But he had a great drop kick. He had some charisma, not really enough to be more than a mid carder. He was a decent enough mid carder, but he was never going to light the world on fire and be a real main eventer. Right. right. So you know, so you think basically the Undertaker gave him his due and kicked him down the stairs. And <laughs> it, yeah. It was putting him out of his misery rather than screwing he, him over. Yeah, he. Um, I do have to say he had a pretty good hardcore match at WrestleMania that year against Goldust, which ended up with Spike Dudley coming out and winning the title, leading to a lot of backstage shenanigans right. throughout the night. So um, another one, another really big one, John Cena debuted that year in WWF. If you remember, Kurt Angle was doing the open challenges at the time, and there was a few various indie guys. A few guys eventually made big names for themselves that did that. Uh, I know Roderick Strong was one of them, who's currently in NXT. But Cena was the big, it was basically the lead up to Cena coming out and having that ruthless aggression (laughs) that he needed to not defeat Kurt Angle, but hang with him enough to the point where 
even The Undertaker congratulated him in the back afterwards after that matchup. Um, another big one uh, from OVW as well. Randy Orton debuted in WWE that year as well. Um, and he got injured pretty quickly. I remember him having the Randy News update or the Randy News Network, the RNN, while he was out with a broken arm, which was his first time really showing charisma. And it led to him coming back as a heel. He had been a babyface originally. was kind of floundering. A the legend bit. killer. Yeah. <laughs> they needed to bring that back. That was awesome. Uh, and the whole ordeal with him was great when he came in. And that, that dude took his dues yeah. from the wrestlers. I mean, if you watch some of those matches, man, especially with Taker, they were stiff shot in the crap out of Randy Orton. Well, the, the beating he took, I uh, saw the... What what event was it in Providence? The Hell in the Cell. Yeah, yeah. Himself against the Undertaker. I was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was that brutal. Was nasty. Yeah. yeah. I was there as well. It was actually wasn't it uh, both Ortons against the Undertaker? Or was well, Bob just on the outside? Oh, uh, Bob was on the outside of the cage, right. who right. Na- and naturally managed to find his way into the cage. Yeah. But yeah, he was originally outside the cage. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I know there was at least one time where it was the two Ortons against Undertaker. I wasn't sure if that was that one, but yeah, I remember that one from Providence, two thousand five. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Bob Orton uh, Sr. would eventually, or Bob Orton Jr., right. the dad, would eventually get fired due to uh, having hepatitis and start telling oh, anyone. Was that what, was that what yeah, happened? Yeah, and okay. bleeding all over The Undertaker, which was very dangerous. Yeah, so, Abdullah, the, Abdullah the Butcher tried that. Yeah. Yeah, he got in serious trouble he, for um, that. Yeah, I believe That's why he ac- should. I yeah, mean. I believe he actually passed it along to another wrestler, too, Abdullah. Yeah, a, it, a rookie, uh, a, a rookie, or a possible recruit for the WWE. That's uh, yeah. why they won't let X Pac wrestle because yeah. he has hepatitis. hepatitis. I know. Um, yeah, Abdulli passed it along to Hannibal, who actually, um, if you look on YouTube, the Hannibal TV actually uh-huh. has a pretty decent YouTube channel where he reports on news and stuff. But yeah, I think okay. Then Abdullah did it. We, then Abdullah passed it on to more than one wrestler because if he gave it to Hannibal, that's not the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of the uh, prospect. Yeah, most likely another the, one. Yeah, you know, he was well. The prospect that was a lawsuit because the prospect claimed he was going to be signed by WWF at the time, and hepatitis prevented him. Yeah, and that was a, yeah. But now nah, that's I mean you know you have that I mean come on. Yeah, you've got to not be. You got to tell people, and you've got to not be wrestling, and definitely not be bleeding. But yeah, um, another debut uh, for WWE that year was Rey Mysterio. He made his original debut, and that was also the year of the brand split. Uh, the original brand split. Yeah, brand split. Sorry, first day with my new tongue. Um, which also led to another WCW guy coming in, Eric Bischoff, as the manager of the of Raw, the GM of Raw. And the SmackDown side, actually, Mysterio made a big impact right away. He was a part of the SmackDown 6, which was himself teaming with Edge. It was also Los Guerreros, Eddie and Chavo. And it was Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle were the third team. And basically, it was the combinations of those six having basically the best matches of the week, every week. Every week. Yeah. On SmackDown for a while. Was Perry Saturn a member? Of the, what, come over, did he come over that time, too? Or he, was I thinking of something else? He Perry. came... Perry Saturn came up with um, Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero before WCW actually okay. sunk. Yeah, the Radicals, okay. along with Dean Malenko as well. Ah, uh, yep, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. 
So I'm pretty sure by this point, uh, either Saturn was already out the door or pretty close. He may have been doing the moppy gimmick at that particular time. He was um, poor. Yeah, in love yeah, with the mop. He's had a tough go of it. <laughs> that, yeah, that <laughs> was actually punishment for um, basically brutalizing a jobber uh, in a dark match. Oh, oh, so there was a yeah. reason for that. Yeah, okay. he... I think karma got him, though, because yeah. he got shot. You yeah. And the dude's, uh, he's definitely, uh, he was homeless for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, he, he fell off the face for a while, questioning, like, is he even still alive? Yep. We didn't hear any reports or anything, but no one's talked to him in so long. But he did resurface uh, about a year or two. Uh, another, um, not a debut, but already he had been there in the early. Scott Steiner came back that year as well, which led to the horrible feud with Triple H. Including the um, pose down. Everything, which I'm go, ahead, I'm uh, sorry. go ahead, sorry. You first. Everything about Scott Steiner when he came back was horrible. <laughs> not just the pose down. I The thing about that is, and if I don't know if it's on YouTube or not, or on the WWE Network, but if you can find it, it's one of the worst pieces of wrestling TV. Um, it's basically the two of them making muscle poses and like flexing up against each other and I'm sure Vince was having a great time. Which, uh, by the way, that's what me and George Garner do every time we get to the studio. We have a pose down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and who, who's hanging further down? Basically. <laughs> uh, but is, is it, wasn't it uh, after Scott Steiner came back that didn't he like pop a peck and deflate or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, I remember something that's, like that. Yeah, and the the thing of it now, and that was the height of the steroid era. Yes, like, I'll tell you, the shame of it is that. Scott Steiner was the guy that least needed to do that. Yeah, yeah, he already I mean, had used muscles. Yeah, he had he had he had a good physique, and he had the team with his brother. Mm -hmm. He was already a top guy. Yeah, he didn't have to do any of that. I mean, unless did, unless Vince actually told no. him. No, because no, right? he started that uh, the big Papa Pump stuff and really being way too jacked. He started that in WCW, in DC, I, right? Yeah. yeah. So no, he, that was just his own stupidity because he ne he never had to do that. He had he was the one guy that had like muscles on top of muscles. Yeah. It looked like not ori not originally though. It depends how far you want to think back. Well, I'm talking the big Papa Pump era, right? But what I'm saying is before that uh, big Papa Pump, yeah. In other words, he, you know, the the original physique that he had when he teamed with his brother Rick, yeah. That was fine. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to inject one needle. No, he did not. He although, did not. Although at the time with Rick, he may, he probably was just a lot less. A little likely. bit. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. All right. So bring up one more, and then we'll actually have to head to the last song because we're getting towards the end of the show already. One more uh, team that I wanted to bring up that debuted towards the end of the year was the world's greatest tag team, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, which Shelton was actually a teammate with Brock Lesnar in OVW prior to that. They were the Minnesota stretching crew, and they played off that in this year's Royal Rumble with uh, Brock welcoming Shelton with open arms and acting like they were going to team up again, only to immediately toss him. Well, they, they all came up together, Brock Lesnar, uh, John Cena, the, the greatest tag team. Yeah. Those guys all came up training in yep. the same area ovw yep or in batista and uh one more very quick thing i want to mention speaking of tag teams this was actually the year of the gay wedding of billy and chuck oh God. which glad um very much got pissed off about because glad the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation wwe basically told them yeah they're really getting married for real yeah glad actually gave them a gravy boat as a wedding present so they were, when uh, they did the angle, 
where they were like, we're not gay. This is just a publicity stunt. Vlad was pretty much pissed off. And that went, that was actually one of the better wrestling weddings, too, because the preacher was Eric Bischoff, and you, the makeup was so great you couldn't even tell. It was like, no matter if this union lasts 10 years, 20 years, or three minutes. <laughs> Wait, did I just hear myself say three minutes? And, of course, the three-minute warning, Rosie and Jamal, who would later become Umaga, of course, uh, attacked, and it was actually a really cool little angle. Uh, so we'll end the show on that. Um, and we'll head down to the last song. This song, uh, this is a song by a legend. Uh, and you wouldn't think it w- that he would still be recording in 2002, but this was actually from his very last uh, album. And unfortunately, he did pass away the next year. But this is a song which was actually used in a promo package for The Undertaker Bray Wyatt a few years later. Uh, this is Johnny Cash, The Man Comes Around. And we will catch you all next time on RIFreeRadio.org. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. Is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom Then the father hen will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still.